We'll take your Bibles and turn to Jeremiah 7.30. We'll also be looking at 2 Corinthians 6.16. The title of the message is Xmas in the Heart, Jeremiah 7.30. For the children of Judah have done evil in my sight, saith the Lord, and had set up their abominations in their house, which is called by my name, to pollute it. And then they're in 2 Corinthians 6.16. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Let's pray together, please. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we do come before thy throne of grace. We thank you for the privilege that you give us that we might gather together for the knowledge you've given us, that we might discern from that which is evil and that which is good, and we thank Thee, O Lord, that the Spirit leads, directs us, and guides us. And we just pray for those that we're here that You might bless and from on high according to their needs, and be pleased to edify the saints. We just look to Thee, O Lord, that You fill us with wisdom, and also, Lord, we might clean our own houses out and be the people of God that we should be. Just praise Thee and thank Thee in Jesus Christ's name and for His sake. Amen. And uh, uh, Jeremiah seven thirty again, for the children of Judah have Judah have done evil in my sight, saith the Lord. They have set up their abominations in their house, in the house which is called by my name, to pollute it. And the Bible uses and tells about our we are the temple of God in First Corinthians three thirteen six nineteen Second Corinthians six sixteen Ephesians. 221 to Revelations 312. And so we are, our hearts is, if you will, the house of God, the temple of God. And of course, Ephesians goes into uh, <clears throat> that I like the best, but we'll not look at it right now. And when we think about the uh, temple being in our hearts or in our bodies, either way you want to put it, that our bodies is the temple of the Holy Spirit. When we set up idols in our hearts, we're actually setting it up in the temple of God because we are bought with a price and God has saved us, redeemed us, and called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. And we have become His. We belong to Him, lock, stock, and barrel. There's not a part of us that we have kept for ourselves. We may think we've kept something for ourselves, but you can't do that. Either you're all in or you're not in. It's one way or the other, and God says, well, I've got him half saved. I'm going to get him the rest of the way before he dies. That's not the way it is. And we become his the minute we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We was his from the foundation of the world, true, but it is acknowledged, if you will, when we express faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we do so, we acknowledge that he has full control. He is the master, we are the slave. Uh, we are His. Those things that we do reflect upon Him. And uh, many will might say, I do not celebrate such days. But they do in their hearts. And this is where the dilemma comes in, is that is we're, some are careful on the outward appearance that they don't do anything, don't put the holly on the doors, don't put mistletoe and do all these things, you know, but it's in the heart and desire to do such things. <laughs> we have the ideal of doing away the practice is easier than cleansing up the temple. 
It's an easy thing to say we're not going to celebrate nothing more. When I come to that conclusion many years ago, and, uh, and I told Alice, I said, this is wrong. It's just pagan. And so we decided, you know, no, we're not having any trees. We're not having any holly. But we're going to put presents, and we had these presents underneath the window, and I thought, how stupid and foolish that is. And the problem was, as though we had acknowledged it's evil, knowledge it's wicked, knowledge it was bad, but it was still there in the heart. And we sometimes have inklings of things that we've gone away from, and not necessarily the holidays. It might be some other wicked thing that we used to do a lot, and, and even though we no longer do them, we still fantasize and we look to them or we think about them in our minds as being a good thing rather than being an evil thing. The, and we think about some people talk, talk about all the churches celebrating all these things, and we used to say, well, how did it come to be? Sometimes they'll say, well, brother so-and-so come here, and we didn't celebrate before him, and after he came, we started celebrating. And, and, uh, and that is the case sometime. I mean, I've known, have seen or heard of that. And then so, so we say, well, how'd that happen? How can a preacher come in and say, well, we're going to celebrate it, and everybody just, just say, okay, they follow their pastor so closely now, whatever he tells them to do, you know, they do it. And we know that's foolishness. You don't find that in any church. And so he comes up and says we're to celebrate. The problem was it was already in their heart to do it. And I was pastor in church, and one of the things I asked them when I come there was the Independent Missionary Baptist Church, Sovereign Grace. And, and I asked him, I told him, I said, I don't celebrate these things. I said, I want you... No, well, we don't either, preacher. We don't either. And that last pastor we had, he wanted to put a tree in the church here, <clears throat> and and said we wouldn't let him do this. That's the reason that they had voted him out, because he wanted to put a tree in the church. So <clears throat> one of the men was having me over for dinner, our family over for dinner that afternoon, and guess what was in his living room? A big old tree. And I thought to myself, this is, I said, I, I thought to myself, I said, I, I told them when I come here, you know, I just don't do that, it, you know. And so here we's talking about this preacher that wanted to put a tree in the church building, and he had one and went to the ceiling in his home. And I thought to myself, I don't think there's a whole lot of difference. Somebody said, well, it's different. That's the house of God. I no, that's the last thing that usually people who are given over to these celebrations do is bring them to church, but they always do. Always do. Once people start celebrating their homes, they'll be celebrating the church. And you say, how's it start? First thing, Christmas songs. That's the first thing, and I've been at churches that have their meetings close to the, that time of year. We don't believe in this. We don't celebrate this. And then we sing all the <laughs> songs. You say, well, they don't mean it that exactly, preacher. I mean, you can say joy to the world without thinking, you know, about 
about the celebration and all that. And I, I, said it, I said, for me, it's almost impossible. That's what we sung every year when I was a kid, coming up in the church I was brought up in, because they did have a little tree in the back room, didn't have an auditorium, though. And so <clears throat> the point I'm making is it starts in the members' hearts first, because the church is the people. There's not one person that can bring it in and say, well, we're going to do this from now on. If people didn't believe in it, it wouldn't happen. <clears throat> so a little leaven, leaven the whole lump, as we reminded in a couple of passages in the Scriptures, and churches years ago would not have thought of doing the things that some are doing today. And I mean, I'm talking about continuing churches where they started back maybe a hundred or more years ago. They wouldn't have done it at all. But many of them today do. And, and again, it starts in the hearts of the, of the saints. Now, we think about uh, joint services. I was thinking that some, not today because a lot of them closed up the church this day because, you know, it's a holiday. So we don't want to have church service and fool around, you know, interfere with the holiday. But some have joint services with the whore. Not just on Easter. There's a lot of them do that. I'm talking about even on Xmas now. I mean, you know, it's a thing to do. After all, you know, Pope's got the staff there and got an X on it. Then they say, when well, you say Xmas, really it means Christ because the X, you know, that stand. I said, I'm talking English. I'm not talking some foreign language. And X means unknown. The flesh desires, and, all, and, and often strong, if you will, in the things that it loves. There in James 1, in James 1, 14. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of what? His own lust and enticed. And then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin when it's finished, brings forth death. You can't be enticed to do something you don't like to do. I mean, they say, well, this broccoli really looks good, preacher. You know, we put cheese on it, and we put this on it, and put that on it, and put this, that, and the other on it, and, 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 and they can't tempt me with it. Why? Because I have no love for it. But what they can tip me with is things that I love in the old man. And those things I can be tempted. It's drawn away of your own lust. It is those things that you lust for in the old man that is like putting a cherry pie under my nose. <clears throat> I know I can't eat very many cherries because I'd get a migraine, but that's my favorite pie. And so, yes, I have had migraines because I eat that which I knew was going to give me a migraine. But it was good while I was eating it. This is what it is with things in family and friends. Devil, they entice us. The reminders of our own heart sometimes, if you've brought up in the stuff as I was, sometimes those things come to the surface, you know, about the good times you had on that particular time of the year. And... and <clears throat> And that's usually the only time we got anything. On our birthday, we get a 
cake and usually some little something, but on that day we got, you know, toys. And so <clears throat> these things are fond remembrance of our family. <clears throat> some uh, uh, groups, if you will, and our devil, if you will, they, we, and we won't blame all the enticements on the devil, uh, but let me say to you, the devil uses so many pe- a lot of people uh, to entice. You can say, you know, well, First Baptist celebrates it, Third Baptist celebrates it, and this church over there celebrates it, and that church over there celebrates it. And you know they all can't be wrong. <clears throat> but they can. Three, enticement make it easier to smooth out our conscience. If we have more than just one, you know, then we have two or three, and and you say, you know, just those fanatics don't believe in that. Yeah, just those fanatics, they don't believe in that. But we that know the Scriptures, we, we know it's right. I asked one preacher, who told me that one time, I said, show it to me. <clears throat> he had a hard-pressed time. He said, well, he didn't have time at that time, but uh, and he never did get back with me. God gives His churches, Psalms, <coughs> excuse me, eighty-one, twelve. So I gave them up into their own hearts, lust, <coughs> and they walked in their own counsels. And that's what's happened. <coughs> Change whom we serve in Jeremiah two eleven. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are no gods, but my people have changed the glory for that. Which does not prosper, a prosper, a prophet, excuse me, be astonished over ye heavens at this, and the horribly afraid, be very desolate, saith the Lord, for my people have committed two evils, for they have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. In other words, they're not only were they void of the fountain of living water? What little water was there, they couldn't hold it. Their cisterns were broken. Their, their, their uh, if you will, their ability to hold on to the living water just completely evaporated. And they thought they had the water. They believed they had the water, but they didn't have that water. Many forsake the fountain of living water for Satan claws and. God calls heaven to bear witness against their changing gods. He said, well, it's not really a change of God. I see. Let me see. Jesus was born in the fall or spring. Or it's three years, was <clears throat> 30, or 30 and a half. So we could, argue, we could debate that. And we get that from Zechariah the priest. Because the years that, I mean, the time that he served as priest, and they served twice, and almost all of them were there at Passover. So it could have been the fall, it could have been the spring, and we could debate that, but it couldn't have been in December. Not at all. But there is a God that comes alive in December. They call him Arsias, Sun God. Got many names, and this is the God, if you will, they're actually celebrating. And and I mentioned this before, but when the days get shorter and shorter, <laughs> Son God dies. And then, miraculously, the days start getting 
bigger and bigger. So our size is a baby again. Born of his wife, by the way, if you know the mythology. <clears throat> and he starts out as a baby, and by June, he's strong. He is absolutely on, only almost unbeatable in June. But, you know, May, June, July, and August, you just really don't have much hope because it's still pretty strong. And the sadness is on December 21st, and the gladness is somewhere after that when the Son God's been born again. Not born again as we think about it, but born incarnated again. Some use the line Carl grip to grab a hold of that Son God and lift him out of his grave. So it's more than just saying the preacher really don't matter. It's just a holiday. We put Christ on it. You know, Christ Mass. And I said, uh, I asked one preacher one time, I said, how many Masses have you celebrated in your church? He said, what are you talking about? I said, well, how many Masses have you celebrated in the church where you're at? He said, no, I hadn't done that. I said, you celebrate <coughs> Christ's Mass. So <coughs> it tells me that you are at least having one Mass a year. Now, of course they say, no, we don't do that. But they are celebrating the same thing they do. And walk in the Spirit and not fulfill, Galatians 5.16 this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, not be purified, as, <clears throat> not as purified as we ought to be, hanging on to the dross that cripples us from following God as we should. There in Jeremiah 6, 29 and 30, <clears throat> the bellows are burned, the lead is consumed of the fire, the founders melted in vain, for the wicked are not pl- plucked, Away, reprobate silver shall man call them because the Lord has rejected them. It'd be like having a fire and putting lead or silver or gold in it, melt it down, and instead of the draw separating from the precious metals or the metals, it just sticks to them. The fire should separate them. They should be able to ladle off and take and get rid of the draught. They should be able to be separated in such heat, but they hold on to it. And God is saying that's what His people have done. They have refused to be, if you will, released from the things and cares of this world. The God, the fire of God chastens, as we remember, and there in First Peter. 1 Peter 1 7. <clears throat> the trial of your faith being much more precious than that of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found under the praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. 
So when we think about the fires and trials we go through, they're getting rid of the dross, getting rid of the impurities. And we are being tried by fire or tested by fire, as it says what in Second Peter. And we are, if you will, being <coughs> melted down as that gold and releasing the dross in our life. Now, what, uh, <clears throat> what uh, do we think about these fiery trials in 1 Peter 4.12? We don't like them. I don't like them. I don't know very many people say, well, I'm glad I got this. And I've heard some singers say that sometime, a song they're getting ready to sing, and they just, but it hurts to get rid of these things. And our natural inclination is to hold on to a little piece of it instead of letting it all go. And so here comes another fiery trial. And to separate us from the droth and the silver and the gold mingled with the droth is worth nothing. If I gave you some silver and, and there was black specks all in through it, you'd look at that and say, well, that's not worth nothing. Give you a gold ring and it instead of being like this, had specks all in it and dross of all kinds cutting your finger. You say, well, that's no good. Who would buy it? Who would pay for it? You could put that on a counter and nobody'd buy it. Why? Because it's got dross in it, and that's the way we are when we don't let loose and, and get rid of these things that God, that God puts his finger on to tell us to get rid of. Somebody said, well, when I was saved, <coughs> the Lord rebuked me, I repented, and, and, uh, <coughs> and from that point on, I've walked with Jesus without any problem. If Jesus Christ had showed you how wicked you were when He saved you, it either scared you to death or you died. <coughs> That's not the way God does. He just shows you our sinner. When God saves you, and yes, <clears throat> I was one of those that had a lot to repent of, and I took a long time to repent of it, and when I got through, I thought I was better and holier than anybody else until God pointed something else there. And next thing you know, I wasn't holier than everybody else. I had a problem. And I found out through my life, God points to these things and need to be gotten rid of. And what is that? That's purification, that's sanctification. We sometimes refer to it as progressive sanctification. Why don't you do now what you did, what you used to do ten years ago? Because God's touched it. God said, this is not the way to go. And before that, you thought it was fine and dandy. And after God touches it, we know it's not. The weight and sin that hinders us, and this is familiar there in 12, Hebrews 12, 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, 
looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. James 4.8 reminds us of being double-minded. What is a double-minded Christian? <clears throat> says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. What is a double-minded person? <clears throat> Let's just say this is evil. So a double-minded person said, now that's evil. And nobody should drink of that. That's a double-minded person. They <clears throat> really don't have any set values because they're not come to a full conclusion to say, well, now, I've thought about that preacher, but I... I'm not sure whether these celebrations are evil or not. I, I'm still thinking about it. And it could be with any sin, and Scripture's not here but talking particularly of holidays or anything. It's talking about people who are do- double-minded who are supposed to be the children of God. And when many say, I will only celebrate just a little. Proverbs 6.27 can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes <coughs> not be burnt? Now, I know I was talking about fornication there, but it's the same principle. You cannot take sin, if you will, into your bosom. You cannot pick up sin and, <coughs> and treat it as if it's nothing and not get burnt. You say, I'm just using my left hand, preacher. That's only, I, don't, I only use this to do sin in. Well, the God probably cut that off for you. You cannot just say I'm sinning with my left hand. That'd be foolish, wouldn't it? I'm not just sinning with my eyes. I'm not just sinning with my ears. When I sin, I am the one sinning. It's not some particular part that I need to be purged. It is me that is sinning. So you can't celebrate just a little. You can't play with fire and not get burnt. Some will say we give, <coughs> we only give gifts. I have to say, we're not as bad as others. Yeah. So, when I sin, when I steal, I only steal small things. I'm not as bad as those guys that use a gun to steal. I'm just stealing a little bit. You think that's going to count in God's eye? You go there, well, now, Lord, I, I just stole a little bit. I only celebrated a little bit. I knew it was evil. I know it's bad, but, you know, our family has tradition. We just do this. Just sin a little bit. Not as near as bad as those other people. First John three three, every man that hath his hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. So one of the tests you take, you know, when you're talking to some young Christian, and they want to know if something's evil or not. Sometimes we we'll say, "Well, do you think Jesus would do that?" You know, do you think Jesus would do what you're talking about? 
You think he would cuss, and of course they'd have to admit immediately Jesus wouldn't do that. And so you say, would Jesus do that? And now the question to us is, did Jesus ever do that? He's supposed to be the center of this. Did he ever worship the Son? No. Did he ever worship the fertility goddess in the spring? No. If we purify ourselves as He is pure, we wouldn't have a problem with any of these. They'd be evil and wicked to our sight and our thinking. There'd be no warm spot in our heart for these things, these celebrations and, and, and the things that are past. The love of the flesh takes the place in, in the temple. In Deuteronomy 12.2, I'll just read that. Ye shall surely destroy all the places wherein the nations which ye shall possess and serve their gods upon the high mountain and upon the hills and under evergreen tree. <clears throat> Ezekiel 6.13 Then shall ye know that I am the Lord <clears throat> when thou when their slayed men shall be among their idols, round about the altars, upon every high hill, in the tops of the mountain, under every green tree, and every very every thick oak, the place where they did offer sweet savors to their idols. Now, green trees are not evil. Oak trees are not evil. The only time it comes to evil is what men do with them. And that's what makes it evil, if you will, the wickedness in man's heart. Just do a study sometime on every green tree. Now, somebody says, now, preacher, they don't mean evergreen. And I agree with them. It doesn't. But these, sometimes these people in the Scripture was going up to the high places in their groves and they had trees there were green. Now, not all of them are green now, because some of them shed their leaves, and the oak trees is like the oak trees around here. Some get all rid of all their leaves. Some might have had some dangling leaves, but they weren't green. And yet, they could worship under every green tree, winter, summer, spring, and fall. So they must have some trees there that was every, <coughs> ever green. Will it not affect the whole body? There in 1 Corinthians 5. First Corinthians 5, 6. Your glory is not good, knowing ye that a little leaven lived the whole up. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, for ye as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the, the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. <clears throat> now we find that it's speaking about, again, being pure as he is pure. Purge out the old leaven. Now we know the Jews on their feast days, like Passover, and before the Feast of Unleavened Bread, would get all rid of all the leaven out of their house. 
they whatever the dough or whatever they used for leaven was gotten out of the houses and it wasn't allowed back in during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And this is what it's referring to. Get rid of the leaven. But it's talking about out of us. And therefore, out of the church. Somebody say, well, we got this in the church and need to get rid of it. Let me tell you, friend, there cannot be anything that's in the church that is not in the heart of some of the members. It can't be. Because we're the church. We're it. And when we say this is, this is creeping in or that's creeping in, let me tell you, it's creeping in through us. <clears throat> the devil can't blame him. You say, well, he entices, he tempts, he does all. Yes, he does. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Israel tried to worship God Almighty and Baal. And we could go and look at many passages like that. Sometimes they set Baal up in the temple. Sometimes they closed down the brazen altar and put the altar of Baal. 1 Corinthians 10.21 You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Seems very simple. We say, well, it's talking about the Lord's Supper. Well, that's very true. But we come and dine every Sunday and Wednesday. We come to partake of the food from on high. We don't just come to, and to have a meal on Sundays. We do it for convenience, but that's not the purpose for our coming. It's to receive, if you will, mammon from on high. We want to know what God has for us today. And so we come to feast. And we cannot mix it up and say, well, now this Sunday we're giving it over to Baal worship, but next Sunday we'll be back on course again. Now, I know nobody would say that. You cannot serve God and the devils, Luke 16, 13 through 15. You cannot serve new two masters. You'll hate the one, love the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. There's talk about greed. You can't do that. Now, we all have places in our lives that still need to be corrected. You say, well, who are you going to buy? I'm doing it by me. <clears throat> I know there's things that need to be taken care of. In Luke, was it 24, 16, 15, And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Is that true? That which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination to God. Those things you see the world going after they're abomination to God. Somebody says, how oh, you got one verse <clears throat> that you can show me, preacher, that would tell me that, and I took him to that verse. 
You got atheists celebrating it. You got all kinds of different religions celebrating it. I know a few years ago they showed over in Singapore, they celebrating over there. In a godless communist country, they would have this celebration. Now, they weren't honoring Christ. It is one of the biggest money makers in the year for some companies. And the problem with uh, that Baal in the temple all the time, it's in the hearts of the people. And I was going to read Ezekiel 23, 36 through 39, but for time we won't, but you might want to read it yourself. And it's talking about Baal in the temple. You say, well, well, at least we don't have that. If the members come into the church and have Baal in their heart, then Baal's in the church. It's in the temple. You say, well, I don't think that's right, preacher. Well, what is the temple? First, the, the first part, we looked at the body. It's the temple. We didn't go into that too much. Then we speak about this place as the meeting place of God and, and, uh, and didn't mention, but we all know that where two or three are gathered together in His name, there is He in the midst of us and that's in church capacity. So we haven't, we haven't no doubt about that. And Christ is here, but is Baal here? And Baal in the heart is in the temple. There's no church that would ever celebrate any of these wicked holidays if it was not in the hearts of those that were members of that body. It couldn't happen. We will look at 1 Corinthians 3, 16, 17. Know ye not that ye are a temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Now some say, well, that's talking about church capacity. That's absolutely true. Absolutely. But it says, if any man defile the temple, of God. <clears throat> I would say it's a serious thing to defile the temple of God, but we all know that. We wouldn't bring in, you know, something and say, well, we're going to have, we're going to get drunk today and bring in whiskey or something, you know, everybody's got a drink. We take preacher, we wouldn't do that. But churches do worse than that. It may not look as bad, but just like saying I was going to celebrate James's birthday and give all the presents to myself. I said, really celebrating his birthday? But my, my wife and I, we're going to keep all the presents ourselves. Not give him one present. I might say, happy birthday. You say, well, that'd be foolish, preacher. <clears throat> Is this not what happens? I wonder how much the treasure goes up 
during this time, you know, where they're celebrating, supposedly celebrating Jesus' birthday. You reckon the offerings and tithes just just go to the ceiling? Or is it that we got to pay for these presents? So going to have to cut back a little bit this week, next week, and the week after. Do we honor Him in our homes and so on and so forth? And they said, well, of course we got got that tree there. Those little things are hanging down. Some of those stand for heavenly bodies because that's what Israel worshipped was the heavenly bodies. And some of them stand for Ashtaroth. The usually lower hanger ones was what they would represent. <clears throat> and so the whole thing just idles from top to, <clears throat> from top to the bottom. So they got a star on top of it. Wise man star. But they worship the stars too. And the scriptures mention some of them they worship, like the Orion and different ones. First Corinthians six nine. Know ye not that the righteous shall not inherit the king, <coughs> that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers nor infinements or abuse of themselves and mankind. I wonder how much, how much you have to be into idolatry before it counts. They brought their idols into the house of God and there they pretended to worship God through these objects. Some talks about different Christian churches and one of them that everybody talks about because they're the biggest in the world. I mean, they can't even say a prayer without some kind of aid, without something to look at. Got to have the sunlight coming in over the pulpit, so, you know, so it's sanctified. I heard a group of Baptists that was building the church. They said, well, you know, you have to put the pulpit in the east. I said, are you Catholics? Because they was looking for property to build, and they wanted to get the get it right. You know, we got to get that pulpit right. <clears throat> the pulpit can be northwest, southwest, east, west. It doesn't make any difference. They brought their idols into the house of God. They pretended to worship God. And I already mentioned they worship real objects. But these objects were (coughs) their idols. Idols in the heart in a time usually works their way out into the open by word and deed. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. 1 John 5.21 what do you have in your heart? Are you the temple of the Lord Jesus Christ or your child of God? Has the Spirit of God, if you will, in your heart? His, and it speaks of the Spirit of God to preparing a temple. Ephesians. What else you got in that temple? Do you have any idols there? Do you have those things that you love more than Jesus? Oh, no, preacher. 
Are there things that you would forsake Christ for? I'm not talking about permanent separation, but I mean, you know, I knew a family that they always had their family reunions on Sunday. Every year. You could count on that none of them would be there on that Sunday. And I asked him about one time, I mean, one was a deacon, other, I mean, these teach, Sunday school teachers and things. I mean, it really made a hole in the services. Well, <clears throat> my brother, he said, that's the only day you can get off during the year, you know, to have that. Because I knew his brother wasn't, didn't profess any kind of salvation. I thought that was probably a pretty good laugh to him. Here they was witness to him all the time about believing in Christ, and here they forsake Christ to go have dinner with him. If you're without the Lord, then look to the Lord, the Prince of, of Life. Enjoy the re- real meaning in the coming of Christ. He come to save sinners. He come not only to save us, but to sanctify us, to purify us, to cause us to be a godly people, a holy people. We're called saints, and that stands for sanctified. And we've been sanctified by Almighty God. Do you have any room in your heart for those idols?